Hi, my name is Claire Murray. I am Managing Partner of Specialist Employment and Partnership Law Firm CM Murray, and I am also the host of the podcast series, Law Firm Founder Conversations, a series which I feel very personally engaged in. I love it. I find it so inspiring and insightful, and it's like a little bit of therapy for me, but it's also a fabulous way for me to speak to some of my friends who also founded law firms about the highs and the lows, sharing some practical tips on setting up and growing a law firm and kind of sharing some war stories and hopefully along the way inspiring people who are sitting at their desk in maybe in big law going you know what I'd really love to have my own place I'd love to have my own business so this is for you as well it's it's meant to give you some insights and hopefully inspire you and help you along the way and I am absolutely joyously delighted to have today with me Alex McPherson who is founder and partner of Ignition Law. Ignition Law is described as a law firm for startups, scale-ups, and for the entrepreneurially spirited. And I have to say, Alex and his firm, I've, I've sort of seen them from afar for a long time um, and admired them from afar. We've had sort of mutual friends and clients. I think actually I, I even lost out to you um, when I was hiring someone or looking to hire someone. Um, so it's been wonderful to be able to see you up close and find out much more from the inside about your firm. Um, you've got an annoyingly long list of awards. You've won so many things. Uh, you, you've won things like the Law Firm Culture and Diversity and Inclusion Awards, the Federation of Small Businesses Awards, the High Growth Business of the Year. You're finalist in so many things. You're winner of the Modern Law Awards 2019 Business Growth. But also, this is a momentous moment, Alex, because, and welcome, you've just won another award. Thank you, Claire. <laughs> Tell us, what have, you, what have you won now? Um, well, I think it's the team, really, but Managing Partner of the Year, at the Modern Law Awards, which meant an awful lot to us as a firm, because it sort of vindicated a lot of the things that we've been doing as a as a, as a as a team. And that is, I mean, it is a really important thing. I mean, let's acknowledge the 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 fact that it is the Managing Partner Award, so it is about you. It is to you, but actually, it is built on on the work and support of an entire team. So that's fabulous for you and your firm, and I'm I'm really happy for you. Thank you, Claire. I'm really flattered to be to be included in your podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Delighted. So we're going to jump straight in. Um, tell me what attributes do you think it's important for a law firm founder to have? Someone sitting at their desk now, considering, could this be me? Could I do it? What help can you give them in terms of what you think they're going to need in terms of personality and skills? Good, good question. I mean, I think the first thing is you do need some experience. So there is, even if one has got an instinct to set up a firm or to set up a business of any kind, I think it's worth a degree of conservatism in terms of making sure you're comfortable that you've got enough experience. And, and, and when, when you feel comfortable that you have, it's the right time in your life in terms of, you know, wider risk factors. If you're taking out a mortgage, setting settling down with a family, it has to. You have to be quite sure it's the right time for you. Um, and I and I think the the first thing, dry but important, is to build some sort of a plan. Um, and I think the 
the, the attributes that would sit behind that is it would be things like a real sense of drive and ambition and, and realism that the first year or two is going to be going to be tough it's going to cost more than you perhaps think it might well be that you earn less than you perhaps would, would, would like and are absorbing a huge amount of risk personal guarantees that those sorts of things I think talk to attributes of a, a, an appetite for risk as I say a degree of experience um, some capital you know whatever form um, so that you've got that covered off um, and I think once once you've got those attributes clear in your own mind that it's definitely what you want to do and the timing's right probably the first step as you start to build out that plan it is an awful lot of listening and asking questions of clients colleagues mentors you know particularly mentors and that should really culminate in in a real sense of gut instinct and belief that your vision and your plan is unique it's going to work there'll be invariably changes from doing that listening piece but I think getting that getting that in place before you jump um, talks to an attribute of risk management, if you like, you know, before you actually make that first step. I don't, I don't think it's wise to jump in and plan on the way down with something such as a law firm, um, as, as it perhaps is with, with, with technology businesses sometimes. Um, so I think those are the key sort of attributes and first steps that, that, that one should sort of think through if, if, if you are thinking about making that move. What about, and can I just say apologies for, if you heard any barking in the background, that's our dog Flash. I attribute that name entirely to the kids. But anyway, apologies for any barking in the background. What about energy? I mean, how much sort of energy and motivation do you think you need to sort of, um, to get this baby off the ground and then to, to kind of keep it going and growing? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think energy is essential, and and you and and that that talks to a good point. It does one have a, a little break, recharge the batteries before you jump in at the deep end? And um, but energy is essential, and then energy varies over time. I think that that first stage, I think this this is a really good question. I think the first stage is about um, adrenaline and survival and coffee and and planning your day in a sense of right. I'm going to go and do BD. In, in the morning, breakfast and lunch, I'm going to try and get, get some work done around that. I'm going to try and do ops in the evening, get the website sorted until silly o'clock. Um, I think that that first stage is is one of survival, no, no matter how good the plan is. Um, and and then um, and that talks to having an awful lot of energy reserves. And, mm. and I it, it, we, we started January the 1st, 2015. Um, and the energy I had there was totally different to the energy now. I still got a huge amount of passion and love every single day, working incredibly hard. But that energy, um, there's a great book that I love called Be More Pirate, which talks to this swashbuckling pirate phase where it's, you know, sometimes borderline good enough legal and, and, you're, and you're really teaching on the edge with that sort of an energy. But as you grow, that's not necessarily sustainable. Mm. or indeed healthy uh, mentally or physically and you kind of move into if you like more of a navy metaphor where things are a little bit more structured and you're a bit more ordered but you try desperately not to lose your soul and and your culture um so i think the first energy phase is one of you know <laughs> sleep get ready for it and then and then in at the deep end with a ton of adrenaline and probably that will culminate in a you know in a, almost a breaking point moment which I certainly had after about a year or so you know we as I say started start of Jan 2015 got to November and then was physically and mentally at a breaking point and that was a point where coaching and a bit of a pivot 
in terms of what was sustainable, what would I wanted in a more sustainable way in terms of energy that 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 came about so starting to make think more about listening and and, and making better use of working in a team than trying to do everything on an individual basis um so I think there's almost like a, a, a startup phase energy um and then there's a more sustainable scale-up phase of energy yeah and I know that one area where I sort of failed uh, many failures, um, but um, which hopefully I learned from as I go along. But one of the failures was not to build infrastructure early enough and not to. Uh, and it sounds to me like you did actually build. It took us really a decade at least to, to sort of build a, ro- a robust and resilient broad base of infrastructure. Um, so I think, you know, I kept operating at that very high intensity energy level for much longer than I needed to or should have and it sounds like you learned that lesson much more quickly than I did well that that's really interesting I, I still think I failed on that in many respects and pushed myself into a place where I wasn't you know I wasn't a brilliant person so my uh, my mother-in-law passed away midway through the year I remember working right the way up until the hearses arrived at our house and losing all sense of perception reality and the crude reality was I was so far in the business had to take off and that the family of course always comes first but in many day-to-day senses you're compromising up to the eyeballs um to the point that it's not sensible um and you're losing your sense of what should be important um we we were lucky because we joint ventured with uh, Gunnar Cook when they, they were at an earlier stage Sarah Gorborn remains a really close friend and mentor to this day. And we joint ventured on a fixed term basis where we we handed over a chunk of revenue and they um, treated us, if you like, as a kind of partner that 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 owned its own brand and IP. So that and that was quite important. Well it was a big commitment in terms of cash flow. It was important because from day one we had sterling euro dollar client accounts. A lot of stuff was done properly behind the scenes. But but nonetheless we got to that breaking point. But what an amazing resource and what an amazing way of obviously you have to pay for it, but but to get quickly the, the infrastructure that you need to actually to free you up to do the stuff that you love. And the reason why you set it up in the first place, I think they can be there can be so much going on in founding and then growing a firm that's really important stuff, but actually can take you away from the stuff that you as a person find joyful and inspiring and motivating and it or, can get a bit much so I love that that you at a very early stage learn quickly I'm, I'm sorry it was in those circumstances with your with your mother-in-law uh, passing away um but uh, but what a lesson and it's and it's obviously stood you in good stead so so tell me about your fabulous firm tell me about the the, the, the size and the growth journey so far and, and I guess where you sit in the market and what differentiates you so there's about 70 of us in total now um we're growing this year we're growing about 40 odd percent um on a, on a turnover basis is our is our stretch target um we have a majority female senior leadership team which we're extremely proud of i'm a dad of two two daughters six and eight and i think it's a hugely um important part of our culture and law generally to increase diversity and bringing more diversity into law we do that with in a small way with our work experience program but that's a, that's a longer term issue you know that goes right the way back to to students at at, at at law school and university and one of the things we can make a very very immediate impact on is that the, these extraordinary women that are in the profession and that have got so much um they want to contribute 
the, the cliche being mums and dads as well, uh, by the way, that, that they kind of leave law and what you know want to come back and have lost confidence. And, and that that's a big part of our culture is having um, a concept of agile partners. So there's not a, a glass ceiling. Culturally, people are running their own PLs and teams in a very supportive and transparent way. There's no hierarchy in terms of a, a full-time partner or a, a, an agile partner working the way they want to work. And so that's been a huge part of our approach and um and pushing the gender diversity um to you know to where it where, where it should be uh, and and that that's that's been that's been fantastic I, I think um our structure is much more not probably not quite flat but a much more meritocratic structure of support and and kindness um and i think that lends itself very well to working with startup scale-ups and entrepreneurs because they very much expect that they they work in a very human way that they would it would be quite normal that you'd have children at home and be a parent as well as a lawyer. And, and the bottom line is, it, what, what's the technical advice? Is it commercial? Um, is it cost-effective and you responsive? So it's a really nice area of law to work in because you're working much smaller teams, you're having much more impact um, with, with a client. And so it's extraordinarily rewarding in that, in that sense. Uh, the the, the culture is a kind of mix of a very progressive, agile um uh, dispersed law firm in that in that in that physical respect, but the actual backbone of the firm is really traditional in the sense of a, a really good kind of bank of um, our own intranet and uh, know-how to professional support lawyers that are that are helping build that out properly with with uh, the whole firm contributing to traditional drafting notes and the documentation and know-how, offsite ski trips, an awful lot family-friendly socials and events, office in central London. So a lot of the stuff that that you would you would have expected to have seen in a law firm 20, 30 years ago is, is still very much our backbone. But then the use of technology to allow for things. So we've got our own law tech that helps with 360 conversations, structure really strong model along six aspirational values that spell the word scaled, which underpin our culture, and all of which are aspirational. So there's a couple I'm not so good at. Um, but there's 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 these elements that really I think define us as a as a firm. And is this technology that you've developed yourselves or that you've sort of licensed from a vendor or because I mean I, I do think that technology uh, and the role of technology is, is it's a really big issue for law firms generally but particularly for for first generation firms like ours and it's like well what's affordable what's doable um, we've got we've got a mutual friend where I think you I think you're actually a Ned where they've actually it's not a law firm but it's another professional services where they've actually wrapped the professional services around the tech um, and which is kind of turning things on its head. But what are your views on the importance of technology in a founder-led firm? Um, so I think it's I think it's essential. Um, someone joined recently and she was very clear with the firm she'd left that it was she wants to be a lawyer and she wants to do drafting and 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 doesn't want to join a technology business that does law and I thought that was quite an interesting observation um so and I think there's an awful lot of law technology out there it's almost looking for um looking for the solution and and, and so we, we license in an, an, an awful lot of different different technologies um but our commercial modus operandi is to not have a race to the bottom on cost. So we're very cost effective rather than trying to be using technology to drive down our costs to the point that it's 
a pure cost um a cost sell um because i don't think that's as sustainable long term um so but, but then equally there's a lot of technology that we've built out ourselves with a good friend will jukes from from university who helps and and and, and so part of that is, is is for our cultural piece so to enable 360 conversations uh, in, in a very kind of transparent and an open way to take so, a so, so, so tell us what does that look like that this this thing that you've developed yes yeah, so, so we've got these six six values that spell the word scaled and then there's two that are non-negotiable that, that spell the word it to spell scaled it the i in the tier integrity and transparency so if those falter you know whether it's an interview or whether it's generally then that wouldn't be a sustainable relationship for us you know and that's very much what we'd hope clients would expect from us as well integrity and transparency the others talk to six behaviors two client facing sourcing cultivating two colleague facing assisting and leading and two that are community facing evangelizing and and delivering and, and so our technology talks to these six behaviours and allows people to kind of chart their own career and to say, look, I'm going to do more sourcing, but finding business, or I'm going to do more cultivating, running, doing a great job of leading a team and delivering on business. So the tech that we built out, um, it talks in a very, very clear way as to what one's doing, how one's getting on, how one's running the P&L within the team. Um, and that's one of the most important um, uh, internal delivery pieces. It's on a, on a platform, ignition.careers internally. Oh, right. And is that so how often is that conversation? Is it like a daily thing, a daily update with daily feedback, with like smiley faces or do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like yeah, responses or, or is it a... We tried it on a um, where you could give weekly feedback and, and we sort of over-engineered some of it. Um, we tried it on a quarterly conversation basis where there was a quick um check-in every quarter and now we do it more on a biannual basis but really a big kind of end of year chat uh, chats and kind of work through mm -hmm. in a very mutual way and i think the idea is to build that out so that there's constructive feedback both ways you know and i think that's something i genuinely relish it's it's later this afternoon i've got a, a myers briggs assessment to kind of it's, it's never ending the kind of personal development piece which i think's yeah. it'd be really interesting what on earth they say but but um that that's a big part of, of us especially when you're working in a more dispersed way to kind of have technology like that that's really integral to your culture um i mean we're doing stuff like uh which isn't particularly innovative just to us but things such as where we're doing a shareholders agreement and um, being able to send clients a link to a questionnaire where they can pre-populate certain elements so in terms of a fee quote it's more of a case of saying you know you, you quite rightly want this on a very cost-effective basis the, the quid pro quo is of these you know an awful lot of questions going to a shareholders agreement if you can complete most of them we can have a, a really efficient discussion about the areas where you've got questions or you know, want to negotiate. So that that's the latest piece of tech we're building out that would pre-populate a really sensible precedent. But then you've still got the old-fashioned lawyers going through thinking about it strategically um, for board control, drag tag, whatever it might might be. So it's it's those areas that we're using our own proprietary technology. And then a lot of it is just sort of licensed, probably like um, CM Murray, I'm sure, to, to just drive, you know, efficiency for clients, smooth onboarding, transparency of fees, that, that, those, those sorts of things. And in terms of are there any particular, because I'm in constant discussions with, with, you know, other firms 
about their experience of whether it's time recording software, financial management software, CRM, you know, trying to get recommendations as to what people think are the best, but also affordable for, you know, a, a, a more, um, you know, well, a first gen firm that may not have the, the quite the same huge financing resources as some, you know, some of the huge firms. I mean, are there any particular way you think that that's a fabulous bit of software that we license and that you'd recommend? Yeah, so, and I think that's a really good good point, you know, for your audience, that the, the, the reality is that year one, it's not going to be perfect. You know, year one is going to be um, making do, you know, until there's enough of an economy of scale to get going. But one, one piece of tech that we've used for, for years in licensing is our practice management system, um action step which we've got lovely relationship with them it's one of many we absolutely love it It, it's it's a great progressive practice management um system they're still a scale up themselves i met the ceo last week and it's good because you can give feedback and say that these are things we'd really like to to build out one of these at the moment that we're talking to them about is um, getting towards real-time visibility of fees because it'd be great to have a link that clients can kind of see that the, the traditional narrative is well what if there's errors in the in the in the narratives that, that that we've typed and I think the reality is you know nine times in ten at least clients would rather just have a handle on where you are so there's that there's that mm. that experience we've had using smaller technology providers you can kind of put your fingerprints on it um, we use HiQ, which is really good as a, it, it, a way to build an internal intranet to have your know-how. Um, we, we run our own internal and client-facing know-how training sessions, much, much like much like you do, and, and that's a great piece of tech because you can have know-how templates, guides, very easily accessible. Uh, there's um, bits of tech like Boomerang, which is a great plugin for Outlook, where you can kind of pause your inbox and boomerang emails into the future so you can have a particular window of time where you may be doing fee emails or bd emails or technical um things like that i think are are good i mean there's a lot on out um office 365 that that actually is really good like um uh, one note i quite like the to-do list um is brilliant there um so i i think there's a risk you know thinking of your audience and people that maybe are setting up there's a risk not to overcook the tech too early on you know rather than getting up and running and actually in parallel absorbing more recommendations as you go well those are great thank you i mean i'm going to make a note of them and actually we might share them if you're happy we might kind of share links to those particular products uh, vendors just you know with this uh, podcast so that people can see obviously you accept no liability and neither do we but that they're ones where you've had good experiences so it's it's always just great to share that kind of intel between uh, between founders thank you so coming back to your business and your vision and your strategy i mean so what's is there a big vision is there a big vision for where you want the firm to be and say five years and, and and I guess allied to that is you know what does success look like for you for you personally and for you as a firm well I think I think it has to start with success and success is genuinely very genuinely not just about making money you know it's, it's part of why we go to work of course but um success is about looking around and waking up on a Monday and really genuinely looking forward to the job, which, which you know, hand on heart, I, I do. It, it's a very common cliche in law, but actually working with people that you, you 
absolutely love working with is is, is massive. I, I think for us, I'm sure it's the same at CM Murray, working with 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 people that that share your culture, share your 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 vision, and that you learn stuff from and that challenge you. That's that's one of by far the biggest motivators, and that's most certainly what success. I hope always looks like. Um, I think that plugs into a personal development journey, which most lawyers, and there was a piece in the law about this the other week, you know, most lawyers are really enjoying what they do are feeling like they're developing and they're growing as people. And actually we spend or, or rather invest a huge amount of money in, in coaching um, with a, with a brilliant longstanding coach, Mark Smith. And he, he's been great at, at coaching the whole of senior leadership team and, and quite a number of other people across the firm. Mm. And that's really definitely a huge part of our success, both in achieving it, but both also um, because you, at certain points, you look back in the mirror at yourself a year ago and you see how you've changed. And that, that's most certainly one of the, the, the elements of what success will look like. I think in terms of other elements, I think there's a sense of autonomy, you know, in, in being involved in small businesses, and there's a sense of dynamism and, and it's very, very dynamic. And I, and I would imagine it would be the same for you. The idea that next year is going to be totally different from this. And we're not totally different, but, you know, it, it's it's different. That's that's quite fulfilling, actually, rather than it being it's never more of the same. Put it that way. Um, I, I think um, rolling out new ways of doing things, you know, fixed fee products, that virtual general counsel product we've got for some something that's quite interesting and fun. Um, I think you know failure or putting it differently, things not going according to plan. That's a huge part of, of success and of learning. Um, I mean, in terms of what it looks like in more um, quantitative terms, I think we're about five million turnover now. Our plan is to kind of hit ten by twenty twenty five. Again, that's not driven by purely making money that's one of the things that's important with that is it it talks to an economy of scale and as a small law firm um i think we've talked about it with with, with your journey and most certainly mine you know there's it, it, more you're a little bit more of a milk bottle milk top bottle floating on the waves when you're smaller you just have one thing that knocks you and <laughs> you're suddenly underwater and so our think is if with a little bit more growth um, we, we, there's more to share in a very transparent way internally in terms of you know profitability but it just means the firm's got a little bit more in terms of resources to catch its breath think strategically and um, and, and plan for the midterm yeah there's definitely that resilience as well that you get from scale and and from more diversification as well um, I've talked I think boringly at length in other podcasts about discovering 10 years in from a business course that I did that we were what's known as a gazelle business where you go through this cycle of kind of going up in in sort of leaps so they'll you know you'll have a good year an amazing year an intergalactic year and then you'll have a horrible year <laughs> and, and then it's just repeat 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 that cycle and and that's apparently a, a thumbnail sketch of what a gazelle business is and that's what we were doing and it was because we weren't being brave enough in terms of investing and growing and infrastructure and resilience. And until you do that, you know, you take you until you're just older and a little bit more uh, grown up in your approach to being a founder than, than perhaps I was being for a long time um, or maybe even now. 
uh, <laughs> you're going to keep going through those cycles, you know, and it's the highs, the highs are just, it, uh, the highs are fabulous. I mean, when you're a founder, as opposed to being a really successful partner in a much bigger firm, which we both have loads of those people. And sometimes I look at them from afar and go, oh, my God, you have such an amazing life. You know, you're surrounded by, you do amazing work. You, um, you're surrounded by this incredible support structure. Um, you're just really thinking about the work, bringing it in and kind of looking after your team. And you get paid a huge vault of money. And, and you know, and then you, and I think, you know, why, why do we keep doing this? Because sometimes it can feel really hard. And why we keep doing it is because sometimes it's utterly awesome. Because it's just, you know, and you can have long periods and long periods of years where doing what we do as founders can just be the most awesome and self-fulfilling and exhilarating experience. But also there's there are tough times as well. And I think there's a real resilience that you have to build on a human and organizational level and also a scale, which brings us back to your point, a scale and an infrastructure that allows you to get through and to weather the more difficult times as well as the. Yeah, I, I think you've put it brilliantly, Claire. And I think one of the things you're describing there, you know, in terms of what success looks like is a, a sense of it's awesome because you get to be yourself. There's a sense of authenticity about, about it. Um, but I think the other half of that coin to move beyond a gazelle business, which I think most new law firms would, would, would probably, you'd have to go through that phase, the kind of pirate phase, the gazelle phase. Um, success perhaps looks like a degree of consistency, you know, boring as it sounds, actually being able to have a business plan, have a growth strategy, have an ability to kind of manage risk. Um, still have those brilliant years, hopefully, where you surprise yourself. But but. Mm moderate it without losing the sense of fun and um and excitement i think that probably is a you know i think you've articulated it better than me that's a great summary of what success must necessarily mean so how do you how do you keep this obvious joy so i i wrote down here you know it was going to be part of my little intro saying that the firm and even its website reflects its founder Alex McPherson, that they just burst with joy and enthusiasm and self-belief, which, you know, it kind of outside is from an outside uh, view is, is very inspiring. And I just wonder, how do you how do you maintain that sort of personally? Well, I think you 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 can't always is probably the honest answer. You know, you have periods where you're you have to listen to your 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 body as you get a bit older and, and get a bit of sleep and try and get a, a, a breather except if, if things aren't going to plan on a particular day you need to kind of switch off um that's a challenge you know i'm not great at switching off i'm really not i think um from probably one of those big low points end of 2015 where it was it was great you know in a business sense but was hard physically and emotionally was was quite a low point I, I think you maintain it by starting to think about mental and physical health so um I, I've never been any good at sport you know I had teams fighting over who was left with me when I was at school it was that level of ability um, or lack thereof and I started to kind of see a PT once a week in 2015 and have with coaching you know it's been a really good mirror of consistency to, to oneself started to build that up to trying to have 
an activity once a day, you know, even if it's as simple as a bit of tennis or walking the dog or, or whatever, that, that's, that's massive. And I think, you know, that, that, that's been really important to, to do that. I think a bit of meditation and, and yoga and things like that are very good to, to keep an eye on what's going on um, inside as well and make sure you're, you know, you're okay when you need that resilience. I think those things are incredibly important. I think beyond that, especially for for men in particular, statistically, there's a, a, a really worrying suicide rate, you know, around the age of 40, where women it, it, it very generally are better at talking about um, about these things. Guys are, are, are getting better, I think, but, but they're actually establishing a culture generally where people and talk about having not such good good days um it is really important to to maintaining that sense of fun drive and and growth and we had a great experience at our offsite last year where someone wanted to tell the story of a personal breakdown and going into the priory and he told it with such honesty um at our offsite you know you know in a workshop that that led on to us having a mental health officer in the business who is trained in basic mental health she's, she's not pretending to be a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist she's there in confidence um on on a, on a very much on a paid basis to be there for people and to kind of look after them and refer them on that that's been really important because that's led to as you described Claire, the shop window being that sense of fun and um dry and, and and that's very much us but 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 at the same time having a very clear culture where it's okay not not to be okay and have places to talk about that so we have a buddying system um as well and i think as many firms do you know and i think in an environment where people have been locked up um in their homes there's a lot of stuff that people want to talk about so you kind of have to acknowledge that yeah I love that. Very sort of joined up. Also very much in line with the guidance that um, the SRA has actually recently issued on, you know, well-being, supporting well-being within firms and speak up culture and supporting mental health, etc. So um, it sounds like you're well ahead sort of culturally in, in terms of um, driving and supporting and talking about those kind of issues. So I've mentioned already um, and and I think I try and talk about them to the team as well, about how often I make mistakes. Uh, I try and avoid it, hopefully not on client matters. Um, you, you know, you really, uh, uh, we've got a pretty robust uh, risk framework to minimise that. But just uh, as a human being and as a fellow colleague, you know, you make mistakes. Um, and as a and as a founder and a business driver, you make mistakes. And And I think we all have to accept that we will fail at things. Um, but, you know, hopefully most of the time we'll be good enough. Um, but where you do fail or you make mistakes that you sort of you embrace them and you learn from them because actually you're a much more valuable leader as a result. I sometimes think, you know, people get demoted or exited for, you know, doing something significant. But they might have just lost a leader who's actually a better person and a better human being because they've learned from a mistake. They've not been perfect. Anyway, I just wondered, are there any particular failures or mistakes that you've particularly gone through and embraced and learned from that, that you're happy to share? Yeah, of course. Um, so, I mean, I think early on I was a lot more... Um, well, I don't think I had a brilliant skill set because I think as a lawyer you get 
taught to get taught to, to draft, you get taught to be in the detail, you get taught a little bit about client management. But and actually, I was very lucky. Hogan Lovells had a bit of an MBA program, kind of stripped down MBA, where you could do do sessions once a month. And, but still, there was a a real lack of leadership and 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 business and certainly numerical skills. So I think there was a failure in terms of trying to do everything and pretend to be good at everything. You know, things like numbers aren't my forte. And so learning rather than to get cross and, you know, drive through a brick wall, learning to build a team where you, you work together and you listen, I think it's hugely important. It's a very common failure. One of my earliest ones was not listening, you know, and I think there were one or two situations where get, getting angry isn't isn't a great response. You know, it doesn't get you where you need to go. And, and I certainly did that in a meeting very early on with some colleagues and got quite cross and quite um quite defensive and actually i would hope now by partly by doing so much coaching being, being coached for so many years you know learn to ask open questions think about it pause the meeting take ownership with a bit more gravitas and circle back once you've had a chance to reflect i think it's really important um it, I, I think one tip that someone told me if you're having a tricky conversation you know you, you don't have to do it facing each other over a table you could do it whilst having a walk on the phone there are less combative ways you can approach tricky tricky conversations um i, I think other areas where i certainly failed was 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 taking a lot of stuff very personally you know we had to make a tricky decision if it was having to part company with somebody on you know purely objective grounds you still bring it home with you hugely of course of course you do but but actually I think what I've started to do a bit more now is if you're having a tricky fee conversation or your a client wants to talk to you about you know an issue it, regarding it almost as um, a rite of passage an opportunity to learn and something that will come up running a law firm you know it's almost like walking around the block you'll see the same old things the more times you go you go around and that's very different to the first time you experience these things somebody leaving somebody threatening uh, you you take it a bit less personally and I think that was certainly a big failure of mine was to not listen be very very defensive and and effectively draw a line there rather than perhaps having a, a reflect and, and coming back for a part two on whatever that issue might might be um i mean you know let's let's be honest those are really understandable issues let's not call them mistakes or failures but issues because you know if, if you you know you're the founder of the firm and this is your kind of this is your extra child you know you've kind of grown this and built it and so you can feel very protective and defensive and um so I think those are very honest and, and understandable emotions and reactions and to have taken them and learned from them um, in a very stoical way through coaching and development is, is wonderful. Oh, thank you, Claire. I appreciate that. Um, so, so just sort of bringing it back to, you know, our friends who might be listening to this, either contemplating setting up a firm or maybe in that first year or two of setting up a firm what tips and guidance would you give them just to help them through to sort of inspire and motivate and yeah just help them understand that whatever that they might be going through it will pass yeah so I think that that's a really good question it, and it comes 
almost full circle to the start in terms of have that plan, you know, that's something you can control. There's some sort of a, a business plan for year one, but be really kind to yourself when it goes wildly off piste, which it, which it will for better and for worse. Um, be, be kind to yourself. You know, it's at the end of the day, it, it's a small business in its first year of trading. And, you know, and, and exactly as you said, it, it, it will pass. Um, I, I think making notes is a really important thing to do. Having a, you know, you see this a lot with successful entrepreneurs. They're very good at, at, at making notes, having a notebook. I mean, I use OneNote, as I mentioned, an Office 365, which I love, work, works for me. But it's a very personal um, thing. I think making notes of how you're doing, where you are on your journey is hugely helpful because you might find you're, you're exhausted by March and things seem to be going all over the place but by august actually that's very helpful to reflect on where you were then and where you are now i think that's a that's a great tip that someone shared with me um i think lean into it being a tough year and um it, just because it's a tough 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 start doesn't mean it's always going to be like that i think the other tip is definitely uh, with with me not being a particularly big numbers person, I, I break it down into quarters and I always have, and I work on a calendar basis, I just find that e easier. And actually, that's a really helpful way to break up your year. Um, you can kind of have a reward for yourself when you get to the end of that quarter, um, a breather. You can have whatever the metrics are, not just necessarily financial. Once you exceed them, it's quite a nice way to manage your year. When you start thinking January, February, March, rather than it just being this never-ending <laughs> twelve-month period, um, you know, certainly from our story, there's nothing wrong with joint venturing and having partners along the way. Um, and and I think lawyers very often there's an assumption sometimes we need to close doors, but actually the support we've had from other law firms, people like like yourself, Claire, with the most amazing journey. Who, who are there to support to talk to um we're not really competitors we're more all in a very exciting point in in law of moving together on the crest of a wave and, and similarly you know firms like hogan's where, where i was are incredibly good friends where we're able to now send bits to them and and vice versa so i think there's certainly we're starting up it's much more maybe community is a bit of an overused word but there is this sense of people out there who'll get your back and and there is this real karma and that's that's massive um and i think the final thing would be in that vein um you're going to be taking on a lot of risk you're going to be <laughs> spending a lot of capital and um you're going to experience quite a paradigm shift and having mentors you know whether they're clients experienced lawyers friends asking for their advice you know it's surprising how kind people are if you ask them for their opinion their advice that, that's massive for a first year that's wonderful absolutely wonderful um that kind of a bit of self-compassion recognizing that people that might be perceived as competitors are actually some of your greatest allies we love we love a strategic alliance and a collaboration they've been hugely successful both on a business and a personal level. So I, yeah, I completely endorse what you're saying. And yeah, thanks so much. This has been oh, wonderful. Cool. Thank it's you. Like really inspiring and fun as well. And it's very infectious. So yeah, so thank you for that. Well, thank um, you. So I hope uh, if you've stayed with us to the end that you have enjoyed this podcast. Alex's details and that his firm will be at the end of this 
and uh, please do get in contact with Alex and his, and his colleagues if if you're uh, interested in what they're doing um, check out their website it really is it's very inspiring um, it's very focused on startups and entrepreneurs um, and sort of tech sector um, and related sort of sectors so um, please do check them out get in touch with Alex if that's of interest um, if you've enjoyed this, then, as they say, please like and subscribe, forward to your friends, etc. Um, but most of all, um, thank you so much for staying with us and sharing this conversation. And I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Thank you. Take care. Bye. And thanks again, Alex. Thank you. Thanks, Claire.